At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. I was wrong about you, Jules, huh? Explain that. Something's opened this door. You're not the one, Jules, huh? I'm not the one? No. I'm not the one who cut your medication? I'm not the one to say if you're competent for a hearing, a chance of getting out of here? I'm the one. One in control, huh? Yes. Who's in control? So who is in control? Huh? Are you? Am I? Guards outside? Yeah? Who's in control? Dr. Ethan Powell interviewing Dr. Theo Calder. Now, this will be a very simple test. Pass or fail, life or death. Ready, Jean? Now you write on this paper what I have taken from you. What have you lost? Write it! Write it! Wrong! Never had control. You only thought you had it. An illusion, tabby bourgeois. And what do you control? For sure. Huh? Volume in your stereo, the air conditioning in your car. What else? Another chance. You were nervous. Too much pressure. Try again. What have you lost? What did I take? Write it. Write it! Do you think you were free? Where were you going at two o'clock today? Into the gym, right? In the morning, your wake-up call. In the middle of the night, when you wake up sweating with your heart pounding. What is it that has you all tied up, Jua? Tied up in little knots? Is it ambition? You're no mystery to me, boy. I used to be you. Okay. One last chance. You think I won't do it? That's one psychiatrist less to the world. I'm already deep in the pit, so what can they do to me? Last try. Get it right. What have you lost? What did I take from you? Yeah. Congratulations. You're a student after all. And you've lost nothing but your illusions and a little bit of skin. From the Gnostic theme film, Instinct. In the scene, the committed Anthony Hopkins character overcomes, binds, and threatens to kill his prison psychiatrist, the Cuba Gooding Jr. character. All to show him that civilization's promise of control and freedom are ultimately illusions. And only in the face of the feral reality that is life, nature unveiled in all its erotic chaos, can we remove those illusions and find our true will and true call. Every man is born as many men and dies as a single one, Heidegger. The prophet Mani did say humans are the animal on this earth most in need of redemption and rehabilitation. And he was right. In any case, Hopkins' character is basically a trickster, and that's the topic in this eternal now. 
As I discuss with our astral guest, there is no transformation without the trickster. Incremental growth in Marduk's kingdom, our pathetic society, is ultimately a waste of time. Only unchaining alchemical renovation will get us out of the Black Iron Prison. There is no alchemy without Mercury, however. There is no personal Ragnarok without Loki. There is no crossing the desert of the real without Set. And there is no purging fire from the gods without Prometheus. Simple as that. To quote the great Joseph Campbell, he said, it is by going down into the abyss where we recover the treasures of life. Where you stumble, there lies your treasure. To the ironic twist of the unknown. In this age of Hermes, you either embrace the trickster, even as he destroys your former self, as well as civilization's illusion of control and freedom, and add safety to that, or you become forever trapped in a mad god's dream and the hellish imagination of his Karens and Katamites in the establishment. You know my mother was an atheist. She used to say that there was good news and bad news about hell. The good news is, hell is just the product of a morbid human imagination. The bad news is, Whatever humans can imagine, they can usually create. As a child, I was sexually, mentally, and physically abused by a person. Flash forward years later, when I'm barely an adult. It's Halloween at some party in Houston. I'm dressed as the Joker and wasted on Everclear. I'm dancing on a ledge 20 stories above the ground. It's time to jump, end the torturous pain that has never left me. Someone grabs my arm and pulls me to safety. Guess who it was? The same person who abused me. The same person who ruined my life wouldn't let me fall. There I am, dressed like the Joker, partygoers laughing and me blacking out forever caught in a loop of destruction and salvation, a dark joke of some sorts. The same person who made my psyche save my life, a life that would eventually be of creation and passionate love, a life that has led me to you. Is this what you do with eternity? Now you know, that's not the worst part. I've killed myself so many times. I don't even exist anymore. Well, sometimes I wish I had a thousand lifetimes. I don't know, Phil. Maybe it's not a curse. It just depends on how you look at it. I'm forever trapped in that loop of destruction and salvation. The Joker dancing over the ledge. The laughter of a god above the din of the Halloween party. It never ends. His debt is paid and I'm bound to a heavenly jester. That's the trickster for you. I wouldn't change a damn thing, though. Every second of my life is both eternally painful and ecstatic. 
like Thunder the Perfect Mind or Eve in the Gnostic Gospels. I'm the manifestation of the trickster dancing over the ledge of this universe, a loop that will never close until I finish my mission and move to the next story in another world. An archetype giggles. You're trapped too in some trickster loop, aren't you? Your dark secret. What is it? Everybody is stuck with the things that they're not proud of. Your life is yours to create. But the advantage to meeting others in the meantime is that one of them may present you to yourself. Welcome to Aeon Bai to forever serve the trickster. The only one that can lead you to your authentic you. I am your host, Miguel Connor, your pompadus of gnosis. Always delighted to take you across the desert of the real with Set and his bloodthirsty warlike wives, Sekmeth, Anat, and Astarte. How you play is what you win, as Le Guin said. And the best way to play is to finally admit your mind is the ultimate trickster who can bring down the purging fire from the gods. I have something to say. It's better to burn out than to fade away. To both understand and experience the trickster archetype, we have the pleasure of being joined at the Virtual Alexandria by Jeffrey Lang. He'll share from his book, the trickster gods, and their influence on the development of human culture. What's more, we'll have some dangerous fun talking about Lovecraft's little trick on the world. From Jeffrey's book, The Lovecraft Experiment, an intellectual and archetypal interpretation of the work of Howard Philip Lovecraft. Get ready for an incredible discussion that will remove civilization's silly illusions of control, freedom, and safety. When the truth offends, we, we lie and lie until we can no longer remember it. It is even there, but it is still there. Every lie we tell incurs a debt to the truth. Sooner or later, that debt is paid. There is no transformation without the trickster. There is no transcendence without wisdom, either. As I've said before, and Culliano agreed, Sophia is a trickster, a rare female one. So is the Gnostic Jesus. Both are boundary crossers and guides to higher realms. Sophia, like any trickster, disrupts the established order and mocks authority when she rebels against the Pleroma. Both Sophia and the Gnostic Jesus disrupt the established order of the Demiurge and his Archons, often tricking them but also tricking mortals. Both are shapeshifters in the Gnostic texts, and like all tricksters, assist humans but sometimes play heavy jokes on them. That loop of destruction and salvation. I don't want to interrupt. I'll just get started on the apocalypse. Hey, I love you. Both confound and frustrate both angels and humans with their forbidden magic, arcane teachings, 
and frenetic appearances. Both Sophia and the Gnostic Jesus are thieves of divine sparks and smugglers of contraband truths, and their morality extends beyond human comprehension because their main goal is cosmic ecstasy at any cost. You no trouble. Me, fifth element. Supreme being. Me, protect you. In short, the trickster is simply about change. Most meat sacks don't want change, even if they perceive the shadows on the walls of Plato's cave. They want to grow a bit, improve here or there, instead of embracing the ego-destroying mystery of life. In The King in Orange, John Michael Greer deals with the North American trickster, the Changer. The Changer is known as the Moon, the Dragonfly, or the Coyote. In some myths, like Sophia descending from the Pleroma, the Changer leaves the spirit realm to, yes, change the natural order of the world. Almost every being prepares to stop him because the natural order of the world is gonna natural order of the world. He meets a man who's sitting at the water's edge, carving a board out of wood. What are you doing? The changer asks. And the man responds, There's something coming who's going to change things, and I'm going to hit him over the head with this board and kill him. The changer takes the board, sticks it onto the man's rump, and says, From now on, your name is Beaver. When the people come, they'll hunt you for your fur. He does the same with a man sharpening sticks, changing him into a deer. And so on and so on with men and other creatures. The lesson is simple, symbolically. Those who do not want to change, who wish to cling to archaic systems and standards, who deny the moon, are cursed into a mechanical existence, trapped in a mundane and animalistic ritual or living, a Groundhog Day curse, until it's their time to be hunted down without fanfare because the god of this world always turns on you. What would you do if you were stuck in one place and every day was exactly the same and nothing that you did mattered? Now that sums it up for me. Kind of like humans are today with recurring wars or falling under the same tyrannical governments or soul-killing economic systems or forever bound to the same relationship story or Joe versus the volcano job. Yet those who allow the changer to, yes, change them, are rewarded with new vistas of life, societies, and relationships, discovering their inner forbidden magic. That's the trickster for ya. I know him well, and maybe I'm still just dancing on that ledge in Houston. Not a second has gone by. But in eternity, I am with you all the way as we laugh our way to Sophia's starry embrace.
mystery of life isn't a problem to solve. But a reality to experience. A process that cannot be understood by stopping it. We must move with the flow of the process. We must join it. We must flow with it. This is the Aeon Bide interview. And with us, we have the pleasure of being joined by Jeffrey Lang to discuss a whole lot of fun, heretical stuff based on his books that I really enjoyed, The Trickster Gods and Their Influence on the Development of Human Culture and The Lovecraft Experiment. Jeff, thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show. Pleasure is all ours. And with us, too, we got the Moondog Vance. Vance, how are you doing? I'm fine. I'm thinking about the trickster. You know, I think the first time I ran into the trickster was on Captain Kangaroo. Mm. Bunny Rabbit was the trickster. Mm. <laughs> you probably are too young to remember Captain Kangaroo, but briefly. Well, yeah. I, I spent many a morning with my uh, my bowl of Lucky Charms sitting in front of Captain Kangaroo. There you go. So my right, <laughs> Bunny Rabbit was the trickster. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> awesome. Well, Jeffrey, why don't we talk? Uh, you just uh, gave us something about your life, uh, the bowl of those healthy, uh, what was it? Uh, Lucky, Lucky Charms. Charms. <laughs> yeah. And uh, watching Captain Kangaroo. But tell us, how did you become interested in these esoteric topics? I believe from your book, you talked about uh, kind of a cool thing where you went to college for the wrong reasons and then you went back to college for the authentic self reasons if you would yeah you know i i I have to say like i most of what's important in my life right now uh came from being raised in a nominally catholic family in a little working class town in southern ohio and just the absolute joylessness that catholicism presents the numinous to people at it made me think at a really young age there's got to be something else out there other than this because this is the shittiest puppet show i've ever seen (laughs) um so yeah you know i being a weird kid in southern ohio and the the early 80s i spent most of my time either in front of the tv or walking in the woods by myself or poking around in the library and you know you 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 get tired of the hardy boys pretty quickly so (laughs) i think it was uh 1988 i was in the back room of the library and the uh they had a stack of books that were not to be put on the shelves. So I stole a copy of Anton LaVey's The Satanic Bible, and that kind of began my journey into finding out what else I hadn't been told about the world. Awesome. Yeah, and in your book, you write, you basically have two philosophies. One is... Uh the need for an all-encompassing approach to understanding the why and wherefore of life on earth, and two, concerning the improbable vector of the human race 
arising out of the chaos of the universe. That's a pretty tall order from a, for a kid in Southern Ohio. Well, there wasn't a whole lot else to do out there. Yeah, exactly. Find the meaning of life and the universe yeah. and everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think I've gotten too much further along on figuring out either of those, those uh, mysteries since I wrote that. But, um, you know, I, I think that that's HP Lovecraft and the way that I write about the trickster are kind of diametrically opposed in answering those questions because the trickster says hey there's a there's a balancing factor out there that's going to keep you honest if you start believing your own bullshit (laughs) and hp lovecraft says i don't know what's out there so it must be awful and scary and it's (laughs) yeah and i think the great bridge of these two is of course uh putting on some Jungian lenses which makes uh i don't know if life clear but it certainly makes it more inner the inner language and uh, when did you pivot to Jung? uh you know i i had a passing interest in Jung just from picking things up along the way but uh like yourself i'm also in recovery and oh. when i uh first went into it was about 10 years ago when I checked myself into the hospital for supervised detox, I uh, I had a lot of time to not do anything other than lay in a hospital bed and look shit up on my iPad and started reading some some Jung and reading some commentaries on Carl Jung's take on Gnosticism and his take on alchemy and reading what some of the contemporary depth psychologists have to say about Jung's work and just really got fascinated by this idea of archetypes uh, because it's so similar to Plato's conception of kind of the, the first forms that the reason that all of our cultures have these similar mythic vectors and these same characters is because we have seen this before and these are philosophical constants that exist throughout the natural universe. So the trickster God is going to pop up if you roll the dice enough times. Yes, he will. And uh, yeah, Jung definitely talked about the trickster archetype or trickster God. So why don't we start unpacking uh, this bad boy? Uh, I guess since we were talking about Jung, and I don't know if Jung said this or it was a Jungian. And again, I always like that quote that Jung said, thank God I'm Jung and not a Jungian. Because <laughs> uh, there's obviously a difference from us trying to unpack what he was trying to unpack. Yeah. But I believe the, the trickster archetype, We c- could we say it's an archetype? I mean, is yeah. this something we can definitely say? Because I was reading where, for example, the king is not the archetype. The king is more of a cipher for the ego and maybe even the self, but uh, because a king can be overridden or abdicate and all that. But again, the king also needs the jester, which is an image from the archetype. But anyway, I don't want to get in a tangent. So Jung said he was an archetype. Yeah. Yeah, he, he did a little more formal kind of discussion of the the trickster archetype specifically in uh, a book that he put out called Four Archetypes. Um, but really, you know, kind of 
his, my premise in the book is, is basically just my way of saying what Jung said, which is the trickster has to exist. Otherwise everything would remain static and there would, you know, we wouldn't be sentient life. We would just be cassette tapes. Yeah. That makes sense. It reminds me of, uh, uh, yeah. In the native American, uh mythologies that the tricksters call the changer whether it's the coyote or some other animal and he's uh that force that uh forces us to change to evolve to move on whether it's some new technology or some new thing and there's always the protagonist who has to fight the coyote say i don't want to do it oh i just want to sit there by the river and fish and he's like no you're gonna learn this new weapon so yeah, so the, the trickster is basically this sort of charge force of change and evolution, right? Absolutely. And I think, you know, what really defines it is that the, the trickster is wholly amoral. You can, you can look at specific actions from different trickster gods or trickster characters from mythology or literature, and you can, you can say, oh, well, this was good, this was bad. But if you look at the whole the whole arc of what any one trickster has done, it's really following a, a prerogative that's not, it's not tied to that binary of good and evil. It's this has to happen or we become a snapshot. Yeah. Beyond morality. And uh, let's talk about what the trickster is not. And let me know if uh, what your take is on, but the other day I was watching uh, as I was doing some research and of course things happen and I pull up YouTube and there's a uh, channel that I follow from Scarlet Ravenswood. And she does basically a show on paganism and she did a show on the trickster. And I was mm -hmm. like, ah, oh, well, of course it had to happen. And she did a great job, but I was in the YouTube comment sections and I was, you know, at, just kind of you know chatting with other people and i realized a lot of people were saying well like cersei is a trickster and this figure is a trick they were really getting broad but and i was just thinking i didn't get into an argument believe it or not i don't like to argue on the internet it's but i was like no i don't think a trickster is a deceiver i mean would you agree with this i mean i don't think satan can really be a trickster it, it's uh yeah, I mean, there's certainly, there's deception. Yeah, but solely, you know, like Cersei, I'm yeah. just going Absol to lie to people. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, you know, if, if if we look at Loki, you know, Loki was honest to a fault when it counted. You know, it's he, Loki would lie his ass off for seemingly no reason, um, you know, because sometimes it's fun to cause mayhem with the people you love. Um and also, you know, if you if you look at the Locusena from the the poetic Edda, as he's being you know called the task by all of the all of the gods in Iger's Hall, he's completely forthcoming about yes, I did do that, and you did this, and you know, giving a true and faithful accounting of everything that happened, and you know that's that's because the the trickster can deceive as a, a, a machination, but really brutal honesty is kind of the hallmark of the trickster. You know, yeah, you, well said. you have to look into this mirror right now because I think that you don't know who you are. Yes. Well said. Yeah. The, the, the self-knowledge, the brutal self-knowledge.
So let's look at some of the characteristics of the trickster god. I guess, uh, and this is from your book, uh, is one of them, he's not part of the natural order. In other words, I, you could think he's not in charge of the rain or salvation or anything like that. And then somebody might say, well, what about Seth? You know, he, this guy, this dude's in charge of the desert. But as you write, he still is an X factor that can imbalance the entire system of divinity in the earth. But so basically, he's not part of the natural order and can disrupt all of the order. Yeah, you know, specifically with the Egyptian gods or Neteru, as the Egyptians would have called them, they, you know, they they ruled natural phenomenon and aspects of kind of rational mind. Um, where set is, you know, <laughs> set is the, is the, the God of consciousness. He's, mm-hmm. he's, you know, the, the, the God who led the first Pharaoh across the desert to unite the upper and lower kingdom, which no one had ever been able to do before. And, you know, when you're working with the trickster, you go through a transformative journey and, you can't cross the desert on on foot or on a chariot or you know anything short of a air-conditioned bus and not be wholly <laughs> changed when you get to the other side. Um, but also, you know, Set is the god of the night sky, and there's nothing that that holds more mystery for ancient civilization and for us today than the night sky. Because you look up at it and you say, okay, well. I can pull out this app on my phone and know what that constellation is, but what, what the fuck is behind that? And, and even, you know, Seth's, Seth's throne is behind the constellation of the thigh, which is the, the Big Dipper. You know, he's, he actually, he resides in the part of the night sky that we can't even see. Yeah, that is true. He's also the, uh, what, the, the god of the foreigner. Yeah. So he made sure everybody was just in an odd way getting along and protected. Just like Hermes is the god of the the merchants and those doing business down on the streets. Yeah, and and you see that a lot in, you know, the last real truly Setian dynasty was the the Ramesside dynasty in Egypt and uh that was when there was a huge expansion of the Egyptian kingdom into other lands around the area after having the the kingdom chipped away for several generations. Uh, But instead of, you know, subjugation, it was really a mingling of cultures and saying, Oh, this, your, your God ball seems a lot like our God set. And really, you know, it's obviously we have such fragmented history of what happened, but, you know, they were fastidious record keepers. So if there was a huge purging of one culture from the Egyptian kingdom, it probably would have been mentioned somewhere. But instead we see, you know, this this celebration of these foreigners who are now part of our kingdom and their customs and their ways and their gods, and let's celebrate them along with ours. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, another characteristic from the trickster archetype or deity is the trickster god embodies the quote door between the primal chaos of the unformed universe 
and the objective universe that we are all bound to by our five senses. So is this basically, again, I'm, and I'm bringing Hermes, who's probably the most, one of the most popular trickster gods, is Hermes is the god of the doorway, the one that travels down into the underworld. He's the messenger between heaven and earth. Is that what the trickster is generally? I, I think in, in many senses of, you know, the one who mans the doorway, that's, that's exactly who the trickster is. And, you know, if you look, if like Prometheus, for example, you know, really just kind of blasted that doorway down <laughs> and said, you know what, I'm going to take this fire and I'm going to give it to man because they're just down there crawling around in the dirt. They don't have claws. They're not as fast as cheetahs. They don't have wings. We're just, we're just little meat sacks. We're kind of loser apes. <laughs> we need help. <laughs> yeah, and you know, like looking at fire, literally, it it changed, it changed the humans' role in the whole hierarchy of species. Because now no, your activity is no longer bound to what you can do by daylight, and you can eat foods that were previously inedible. And you can you can alter your environment when it's cold outside, but also you know you don't have to you don't have to go to school to study young to see that the fire also represents the the spark the 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 spark of divinity or the black flame or whatever your personal philosophy calls it, and it's it takes humans from being animals crawling around in the mud to being things that wield the technology of the gods. That is true indeed. Another characteristic, Jeff, is uh, the trickster is the universe's creative consultant to the living art of creation. So again, we just talked about Prometheus. Some have said the fire can simply mean, symbolize the creative uh, thrust of humanity. Obviously, Hermes was an inspiration to artists and magicians and astrologers and all that in uh, Greco-Roman times. And, of course, we can think of the Nephilim, who come down and give all these gifts to humanity. And, of course, these gifts always are a two-edged sword, aren't they? Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's uh, Loki is a prime example. I mean, he, he gifted the gods with the weapons that would be used to kill him after he gave the gods the evidence to convict him. And it's, it's this, it, it, the, the creative consultant is somebody saying, you know what, this is, this is fine the way that we're doing things, but how many millennia do we want to do this? Or are we ready for the next thing? And sometimes the next thing involves, you know, sometimes the next thing involves stepping out in front of a bus. So it's uh, there. There's very little change in the natural world. If we're just talking about myth without one of these trickster gods coming in. But if we, you know, if we look at the characteristics of the trickster in just the phenomenal world around us, it also, it's, it's the same principle, you know, Everything was going along perfectly fine. Uh, and then, you know, we get a fucking reality TV show host elected president. <laughs> and we get a, a plague cast upon the planet that no two people seem to have the same information about. It's, uh, 
you know, things things go along well enough until well enough doesn't work anymore. And then it's time for time for a little chaos to say, okay, get up. Yeah, I keep saying this is the age of Hermes because we are being tricked. Well, what we do, how we deal with these tricks is up to us, destruction or salvation. So it's up to humans to deal with all these, uh, whatever the tricksters throwing at us these days. Yeah. Um, no, it's, what, do you, what are you going to do with the fire? Right. The, uh, the, the Irish have a, a tradition. Well, I, this is probably more folklore than anything that was actually done, but they would take an infant child and put them on the hearth of a fireplace. And if the kid reaches for a hot coal and burns himself, then he's going to be working out in the fields. And if he reaches for the ashes, then we're, we're going to send him off to the priests to educate him. So it's the, uh, it, it's, they call it uh, child of the ashes was what the, they would refer to the child as, but the, uh, you know, it's, we all have the same technology available to us right now. We all have smartphones in our pockets that give us access to things that, you know, even 20 years ago would have been unimaginable. And so what are you going to do with it? Are you going to, are you going to better yourself? Are you going to create something or are you going to go on Facebook and troll people who have a different (laughs) political view than you do? Yeah, yeah, that is true. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Um, so the other characteristics, of course, we talked about uh, the trickster will or can show us our true self. Again, it's up to us. Uh, we want to take this mission or not. Uh, he is beyond good and evil. Again, it's amoral. This is about uh, the flow and change of the universe and the the building blocks of the collective and personal consciousness. And the other one, too, is, of course, shapeshifter. Even in the Gnostic Gospels, Jeffrey, I always break down the trickster and I say, well, the trickster in Christian Gnosticism is Sophia and Jesus. And I break down, you know, they fool people. They can be very almost not good when they're dealing with people they have gifts but these gifts can doom you they can doom the archons and of course they're the only two figures really in the gnostic gospels that are shapeshifters humans can't do it archons always have animal heads and that's it the demiurge looks like the demiurge he's the lion guy but they're the two that uh shapeshift so therefore the authors knew what archetype they were dealing with so the shapeshifter is another one yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, it's certainly there's concrete examples of, you know, Loki turning himself into uh, a mare to breed with a, a horse to which, which led to Odin having his his eight legged steed Sleipnir, but also, you know, uh, in uh, the Aztec culture, Tezcatlipoca would uh, specifically to show people their true selves he was a shapeshifter and 
there, you know, certainly there's some mischief in it. And also it is important to find out, you know, do you want to know who you are or are you content just being a, a little stimulus response meat robot, you know, a little, a frog leg with a nine volt battery on it. <laughs> he would, uh, I, I, I cite in the book, you know, some of the common things he would do, like turning, turn himself into a, a big grotesque skull or some sort of a, a, a terrible walking corpse and how the person would react to it would, you know, it, in a sense, seal their fate. Cause the Aztec culture was very fatalistic in a lot of ways. It's you are, once you've, once your fate has been decided, you're stuck with it. So you either see this horrifying thing and think, well, shit, I've never seen one of those before. Or you go insane and you just kind of live out your days as a, you know, as, as one of the unfortunate townspeople from a Lovecraft book. <laughs> that and, is indeed. Yeah, and, go ahead, and, sorry. Oh, no, and, and it's just also the, uh, you know, his, he's the obsidian mirror of Tezcatlipoca. Like it's, you know, he literally embodies a mirror to show you who you are. And, you know, even most of us, if I, probably all of us, but I'll be generous and say most of us can look in a mirror and not be honest about what we're seeing there. Mm-hmm. But when there's a, uh, a God who wields the power to shape reality saying, look at this, the, uh, the stakes are a little bit higher to, to not try to lie to yourself. Well said, absolutely. Uh, so those, I think, I believe, are the main ones of the trickster. Let me look at my notes. Uh, and you do, of course, uh, give a sort of a, a warning or a caveat, and that is the trickster seems to break the rule of maintaining an internal consistency in each mythology. But that behavior is the essence of the trickster. The trickster's place outside of the laws of predictability in his expression of internal consistency within each mythology. So basically the trickster can break his own rules. Exactly. That's, you know, part of, part of being outside of natural law is that you can, you can make decisions as you see fit and it's never done arbitrarily. It's always done for a reason, which, you know, that reason is usually, this has gone on long enough, but also it, it, that exactly that, that is the consistency mm-hmm. that I will do what needs to be done to make this happen, even if it means violating the laws of time and space. That would be the trickster. And uh, just um, probably or some are wondering, Jeff, if there is a similarity or parallel between the trickster and Jung's shadow, what would you say to that? Um, you know, the, the, I think the shadow much more broadly is the things that you have learned uh, either, you know, from the culture you were raised in, your family, your, the, the religion you were raised in, whatever it is, or your own perceptions. The shadow is the things that you think are unwholesome and just not good about yourself uh, that need to be incorporated for you 
to to gain wholeness. And I think the trickster can can be one of the archetypes that's in that shadow. I think, you know, for some of us embracing the trickster is easier than others. Um, you know, I think we all know people who uh, are, they would have a nervous breakdown at the thought of breaking the the pettiest of rules. Um, right. You know, I'm just I'm, I'm not going to put a quarter in this parking meter because I'm just going to run into this store for a minute. You know, there, there's there are people out there who can't do that, and then you know there are also people who will just decide. Oh, I've never met this person before. I'm going to convince him that I'm someone who I am not just to see what happens. And there's this whole spectrum of, you know, how you interact with, with all of the archetypes, but they all need to be incorporated because we recognize them in mythology and art because they are us. They're, they're pieces that live within us that exist for a reason. If we didn't have trickster nature in us, you know, we we would still be in the dark ages. That is true. Vince, do you have a question or what do you think? Yeah, I've been uh, listening to the characteristics of the trickster. And uh, for some reason, trickster reminds me of modern politics and advertising. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think we're, we have a world full of tricksters now. But what I'm curious about is... What really makes the trickster tick? I mean, if he's amoral, if he doesn't have any real rules, uh, A, why should anybody even want to get near this guy? And B, um, even if he purports to show you who you are, how could you trust that he's not fooling you about it? So he's not really a good reference. And um, what are the intentions behind his mischief when I mean is he malevolent or is he just out for his own amusement is is that the, he must he what what motivates the trickster what's what's his motive well i think if you look at the if you look at the most basic dumbed down version of it the trickster is is the trickster is bound to his own nature it just happens to be very different from the nature of the other archetypes or the other gods. And that nature is, I am here as an agent of change. I am here to propel things forward. You know, like Prometheus knew that he was going to be dealt with harshly when he stole the fire from the heavens. Loki knew what was going to happen when he incriminated himself in, in uh, Iger's Hall it's there's a it's not uh that's why i say that it's beyond this sort of benevolent or malevolent duality where it's i have to do what needs to be done for things to keep living for for life to be renewed for for the dead to be cut away to make room for the new and that that is you know, that is what the trickster does, but it also doesn't mean that he can't have fun while he's doing it. You know, like Hunter Thompson, one of the great tricksters of our nation said, uh, he was, a he was a roadman for the Lords of Karma. You know, the, the idea <laughs> being, I can't, I can't fuck with you if you haven't incurred this karmic debt already. 
So <laughs> the fact that I'm able to cause mischief in your life is really on you. So, you know, there's definitely, <laughs> there's fun to be had while putting your hand inside of the engine of the universe and possibly not getting all your digits back. Oh, sure, for him, but how about for <laughs> the victims, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, and, you know, I think that that's, you know, we we have this perspective as human beings because we have we're able to to reflect and and know what we've done and what it means to us and we're always making meaning of things um you know certainly we take it personally when a tree branch comes down in a storm and kills someone that we love yeah but the tree branch uh, would be very unlikely to see that it has done anything wrong. Right. Um, and, you know, it's, it's this kind of thing, things move. The world's a chaotic place. Thumbs get under hammers. Lemmings go off of cliffs. Lions call out the, uh, the slowest of the prey. Um, you know, as much as, as much as I abhor violence and pain and suffering it's a messy planet we live on and people get hurt um certainly we can minimize some of the hurt that's caused but if we're getting pulled forward into the future by some golden thread um you know some of us are some of us are going to be on the road and some of us are going to be under the chariot wheels (laughs) <laughs> well, you know, all these things uh, that you mentioned, like the tree branch falling and so forth, they're not presumably uh, planning these these horrible things. But I guess the trickster, you know, is intelligent, right? He's he's planning. He sets his eye on someone. He says, all right, I'm going to really screw with this person. Prometheus, I think, a little different because I think Prometheus loved mankind and he thought mankind was getting a bum deal. But uh, maybe that's just my misunderstanding. But, no, uh, I, I I think you're right. I think Prometheus was really more of a, a, a trickster among the among the gods, right? Because you know he he betrayed this sort of order of we are the gods, we are above the humans, and we're going to do what we want to do up here on Mount Olympus, and they can deal with it. Yeah, Olympians seem to be the tricksters more than prometheus they're always messing with people down there and didn't care about them so i I like prometheus but the rest of the people i don't know loki and everybody else i'm not so sure about i'm not a big fan of the trickster really well you know it's uh it, it all depends on which side of the the trickster's hand you fall on whether or not you have a favorable opinion of any one action and, you know, I certainly, you know, it's, we're looking at mythology, which has been distilled down from so many different versions of the same oral tradition to the, the stories that we have today. And, you know, I think you can certainly look at like some of the things that Loki did that were not so nice, like, you know, going into Thor's home and shaving all of the hair off of his wife's head or, um, you know, stealing gods and kidnapping them and taking them to other lands to be held captive by giants. Um, you know, and it's, it's, it's also the, uh, as, as we're speaking of mythology, it's easy to keep it in like the realm of 
the theoretical, you know, it's doing what has to be done to make the next thing happen. Uh, but it certainly doesn't feel that way when you're the one who wakes up with your head shaved. <laughs> How does he know that it's the next thing that's supposed to happen? You know, I mean, who yeah. makes him the guy? Well, and you know, that's, that's, that's a good question. You know, is there, is there foreknowledge of, of what the, the trickster is doing or is he just kind of following the same invisible line that the rest of the, the line? Yeah, of- I mean, you might as well talking about the branch. That's the storm. You might as well ask why is Thor, you know, releasing storms at this time? I know with the yeah. trickster is if you want transformation, if you want change, if you want magic, you're going to have to deal with the trickster. That seems yeah. to be one way or another. And, Part of you is going to hurt and die, and the other one's going to live. Absolutely, you know it's uh, you know it's if you have an armload of firewood and you're trying to walk through a very narrow doorway, you're going to have to decide: Do I want to be stuck out here in the cold, or do I want to set some of this down and only carry what I can carry through the door? And that's kind of that's that's the the function of the trickster, you know. There's I think we see a lot, especially in um, in literature, the way that the trickster archetype is used, is that a lot of times this isn't foisted upon people against their will. They're seeking out some wisdom, some transformation, some gift, and then you know they're they're given the deal. Okay, well, we can we can do this, but this is what's going to have to happen. Ah, that is important, isn't it? And, but, you know, there's also, you know, some very, uh, very classic trickster archetypes in literature that, you know, they do take the choice out of the person's hand. Like in uh, Jack London's The Sea Wolf, Wolf Larson, uh, he he didn't give anybody any choice about what was going to happen once you were pulled onto that ship against your will to be part of his crew. But you were going to transform or die in the process. (laughs) <laughs> hey, that reminds me of Jehovah in the book of Job, right? Wasn't he? He yeah. was a big trickster, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's uh, for for the sake of a uh, for the sake of a bet to pass the time. Yeah, let's, let's see what happens to this poor bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely pulled some tricks there. Yeah, I guess the the question also too would be Jeffrey, and I was looking at this. And I was wondering, there is, seems to be a lack of female tricksters. I know there is one in African lore, and uh, Anasi, I think there is. And well, in Hinduism, the great thing, Hinduism is awesome because with three million gods, you can find your god if you're looking. And you've got like Matangi, who's the female version of Hermes and so forth. But do you know why or there's such a, a lack or more am I wrong about a, a very little female trickster deities? Well, you know, I think we have to look at the fact that most of the mythologies that have survived to modern day were from patriarchal societies where, you know, even the the Northern Europeans afforded women a lot more rights than other Europeans did. It was still a very, very male centric world. So if they're interpreting natural phenomenon and the working of the universe through myth, they're going to make their 
characters into things that into people that resemble them. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, to to go back to Anton LaVey, man creates God in his own image. And, you know, that's, you know, any any myth that comes from some spark of divine truth, uh, enough people passing it along, playing the game of telephone, it's going to get changed into the 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 least common denominator. So I certainly think that that has a lot to do with it. Um, I think also that there's the fact that there's these other classic female archetypes, like, you know, the mother, the, the crone, the virgin that are, um, you know, there's this sort of inviolable purity to the female in this archetypal sense that, um, you know, especially very superstitious people who think that the universe is acting to spite them are going to be hesitant to drag this sort of this symbol of purity down into any of this mucky business of stealing fire from the gods or uh, <laughs> shaving someone's head in their sleep. <laughs> Or stealing Apollo's cattle and all that good stuff. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I mean, I know, for example, you do have the myths where Isis, I think, tricks Ra for some magical word or incantation. Inanna does some tricks on the other gods. Uh, yeah. So you do see a little bit of that that primordial thing coming out. But uh, primarily, it's it seems to be a, a, a or it manifests in a male image, if you would. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of uh, trickster-like things uh, with Kali. Mm -hmm. You know, if you want to look at that, like there's, you know, Kali is the the destroyer and the birther of the universe. And that's definitely the the role of the trickster. And there's uh, there's not any malevolence in Kali cutting your head off. Uh, It's that, you know... We gotta, we gotta call the herd for the next generation to come in here. We have to, we have to cut away the uh, the old wisdom for the new wisdom to come out. Yep, that is true. And if Kali also represents time, time is the ultimate trickster. Yeah, it's gonna have the last laugh no matter what you do. <laughs> yep, absolutely. The uh, there there are very few things that will uh will remain constant over time and very rarely have i found in my life has uh has it been to my benefit to ignore the (laughs) the passing of time agreed 100 percent. well let's uh i wanted to break down a few of these gods so we could get the full picture of the trickster but i guess i wanted to talk about the one that probably most people don't know about and that's tescatlipoca the Aztec god. Could you uh, maybe give us a, a little bit more on him? And correct me if I'm wrong, but the part that jumped out to me is that, hey, this guy is not only the trickster god, but he happens to be the supreme god, isn't he? Yeah, he that for the Aztecs, he was the supreme god. There was kind of the, you know, when the Aztecs coalesced uh, around Chapultepec Hill, from uh, the uh, well, the Chichimec and the the Olmec people, who were they were 
wanderers. They were basically just traveling through that whole area and at some point decided this is where we're going to stay. This is a pretty groovy place. We can make a home here. And so there was there were two there were two primary cults at the time. Uh, and again, you know, who knows how much of the better mythology was lost by the Christianization by the sword. But, um, you know, we had Quetzalcoatl in the south and Tezcatlipoca in the north. And in the in the Aztec mythology, uh, and again, you know, for any scholars of Aztec mythology, I apologize for dumbing this down to a couple paragraphs. But, uh, you know, they were they were brothers and Quetzalcoatl had a lot of sway over the people of uh pre-Columbian Mesoamerica. And so uh, Tezcatlipoca got Quetzalcoatl drunk and tricked him into fucking a mountain. And then <laughs> said, look at yourself, you drunken idiot. It's going to be all over social media tomorrow, man. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, this is, uh, this is, this is the classic day drinking before the wedding reception blunder. <laughs> and, uh, so you know that that's kind of the the first big trickster move that Tezcatlipoca pulled, but he said, you know, come on, you're a mess, get out of here. You you go down south. They 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 haven't heard about this yet, <laughs> and and was kind of the the primary the primary god of the the Aztec people, and also served the function of ruling over time and kind of embodying the mechanism of time, you know, speaking of time being the agent of change. Um, and he, you know, he was known as the God of the smoking mirror because one of his legs was the obsidian mirror that was, uh, there was smoke coming out of the leg around the mirror and also used lot in ritual be, would be an obsidian mirror or a mirror with some sort of, incense or sage or something burning in front of it to represent that but also you know to represent the mirror of self-revealing um and also you know he was the the jaguar god and you know he had the 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 fur pelt on his back and there were a lot of different little folk myths that were carried around by different people uh in the Aztec world about like, if you, if you find a Jaguar and you can read its spots, you'll learn the mystery of the universe. So there's this, uh, this kind of aspect of he's, he's wearing the skin of the beast that can either teach you the mystery of the universe or turn around and eat your face. Yeah. That's a trickster for you. Yeah. So he was represented by a Jaguar. That was his thing. And, there was what were there myths that uh, Quetzalcoatl was going to come back, or was he pretty much the supreme god throughout their empire? Uh, for the Aztecs, he was primarily the supreme god, and you know, again, a, a lot of this has to do with the fact that it was such a such a hierarchical society that the priests say, "This is who we're worshiping. This is who we're worshiping," um, and you know, there were there were a lot of other gods in the the pantheon there 
uh, Chuck Moe and Tlaloc and, um, you know, I, I, the names are escaping me now, but Tez Poco was, Tez Poco was the one that you don't mess with. You know, you can, you can call on Tlaloc for rain when your village is in a drought and your crops are dying. You know, you can, they would make all kinds of gruesome child sacrifices to Tlaloc in order to appease him and get rain to fall, but you don't call on, uh, you don't call on Tezcatlipoca, you know, it's got to be pretty important to go wake up the master of the house. <laughs> yeah. Especially when he's like uh Heath Ledger's the Joker. He's something's yeah. going to burn a whole part's going to burn. Gotham's going to suffer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and yeah, I think that Heath Ledger's Joker was uh, actually uh, whether it was intentional or not, a really good representation of, the trickster archetype because you know that that statement some men just want to watch the world burn mm-hmm. you know it's, it's not that he wants to hurt people it's not that he wants to be a homicidal maniac it's this thing that i can't define that i have to do yeah i think in the gospel of thomas one of the apostles asks jesus what are you doing here and i have come to set fire upon the world and watch it burn so definitely a parallel there (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely you know and i and i I think also you know even if you look at the most the most well-known stories from the new testament you can see some of the trickster aspects there like you know let you among you who is without sin cast the first stone you know or you know my favorite how can you remove the speck from your brother's eye when you have this big fucking plank in your own eye? <laughs> yeah. You know, set your house in order before you go worrying about what your neighbor's got going on. Mm-hmm. And that, exactly. that, that, that is very much the, uh, the, the nature of the trickster, you know, quit dicking around with things that don't make a difference and look at yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You're a hypocrite. It's time you, for you to, to learn this. Yeah. We're all hypocrites. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah you know jesus didn't didn't taunt the uh didn't taunt the pharisees he just said well these are your words aren't they yeah that is true and from paul's perspective as they say he tricked the archons into crucifying and therefore the god of this world lost his uh his hold on the universe so yeah yeah it's definitely there that's the same uh font that these new testament writers were we're dipping into uh same with the gnostics and others and like you say it's the trickster archetype is an essential part of this universe and consciousness itself um i love in your section about loki you write and again sort of repeating but you just say it so well this is the most fundamental truth of the trickster he is not simply a mischief mischief maker for his own amusement he is the link between the formless chaos of creation and the forces that bring forth order. Order cannot exist without chaos, which is why Loki can kill and still come to a feast with Odin. It's almost like Loki and Odin are sort of the, well, they're brothers, right? They're the two sides of the same coin of they, reality itself. Yeah. they And, you know, they were mythologically, they were blood brothers. Mm-hmm. You know, Loki was, uh, 
Loki was of the the Thorsar race. So, you know, he was again, you know, it I discussed this in the book a little bit, but the the Jotun or the uh the Thorsar, they're the giants and they were kind of the first primordial beings that came out of the commingling of fire and ice in the gap when creation happened and you know as such they were they you know a lot of them weren't particularly bright weren't particularly articulate but they were durable as hell and then you have this anomaly of loki who is a giant but who's so cunning that he can deceive the gods uh and he's a giant so he's you know he's hard to kill he's he he's a perfect agent of change if the the cycle of ragnarok is necessary you know we have to destroy the old order for the new order to arise then you know you want to pick the guy that's hard to kill to be at the front of that column of soldiers marching in there and you know there's the just looking at the imagery of how the giants were how they came to being you know the 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 first giant emir he was literally born out of uh you know self-creation of chaos turning into form when the primordial fire and the primordial ice co-mingled so you know loki being of that same that same race in this mythology he is the meeting point of chaos and order well said indeed uh and uh well i'd like to uh, move to lovecraft another subject which i deeply love and uh, i really enjoyed your book on lovecraft a series of essays the lovecraft experiment but before we go vance do you have any last questions about the trickster uh, are you thinking of uh what's that movie trains planes and automobiles where john candy is the trickster to uh steve martin <laughs> for some <laughs> no. reason, it came into my head for some reason i don't know no, no I, mean. I wasn't thinking of that but you know what i was thinking of i was thinking of um wherever there's a revolution there's probably a trickster at the at the head of it because it doesn't that fit the profile like uh, like say 1917 bolshevik revolution oh yes the people are going to be great and we're going to overthrow the czars and you know there'll be milk and honey and blah 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 and look what happened right but every single revolution seems to uh turn sour eventually and then another trickster comes up uh what do you think about that jeff well you know there's got to be somebody who convinces the the private citizens to give up the safety of whatever imperfect order they're living under. And a really good way of doing that is saying, Hey, do you hear what this guy over here said about you? <laughs> it's, uh, it's so, uh, the, you know, they're, they're dining on filet mignon and lobster every night over there in the palace. And you're sitting here eating cornmeal porridge. Why don't you, uh, why don't you see you get a pitchfork or a torch around here? The, uh, you know, there's definitely a, a trickster aspect to it, but also, you know, you're absolutely right that all of the, the promises of all these revolutions turn out to be uh, somewhat, somewhat hollow. So some of it is, you know, just mundane machinations of people who want power. Yep, the tricksters. 
Well, we are at the end. Jeff, uh, is there, would you like to share where people can find out more about you? So, uh, yeah, if anybody's interested in uh, my work in general, uh, my website is jeffreylangcounseling.com. Um, that's definitely more focused on my psychotherapy private practice. It does have links to the books on there. Uh, and then Jeffrey Lang, Jeffrey Lang Counseling, my page on Facebook, um, that's, you know, as anybody who made it through this interview can hear that I'm fairly opinionated and unfiltered. And I share my thoughts about the current state of mental health and culture and, you know, what we could be doing to be a little bit nicer to each other on this planet. And I do, uh, I do bring in a lot of the archetypal work that I do in there. So there's a lot of stuff about music and art and film included in it. Awesome. And we will have it on the show notes and I highly recommend Jeffrey's two books, The Trickster Gods and Their Influence on the Development of Human Culture and The Lovecraft Experiment. Uh, so much there, and but uh, we only touch the, surf- the surface uh, of this ocean, if you would. So uh, we are at the end, Vance. Thanks for keeping us company. Okay, my pleasure. Awesome. Well, Jeffrey, thank you very much for coming on the show. Uh, Thanks for your time and the work you did. And we look forward to the next time we can chat. If there is a world, if uh, Cthulhu doesn't wake up for a second time. You know, there will be a world. We just don't know what it's going to look like. Exactly. The trickster will guide us one way or another. (laughs) Well, thank you very much for coming on AM Byte. Thank you very much for having me. And Weird dreams to everyone. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) You bet. And there you have it, you shining crazy diamonds. Jeffrey starting a joke that hopefully will start the whole world crying. In our second part, Jeffrey will talk more about Loki and certainly more about the trickster archetype. He'll share on Prometheus, bringing in some Pandora as well. Then we'll pivot to a Jungian view of Lovecraft. Jeffrey will compare Lovecraft to Crowley, give us a deeper meaning of Cthulhu and the Shoggoths. Did Lovecraft know of Jung or vice versa? And you know we'll discuss our favorite Lovecraft and Lovecraftian films, and much more. So please become a member for the full Fire from the Gods. It's only $6.99 for AB Prime or $4.99 a month for Red Circle or whatever you want to pledge at Patreon. For AB Prime members and high-level Patreons, you'll get access to my private Facebook group and Discord. If you find value in this content, please support. Your support can be in the form of some shekel donations to PayPal or the U.S. Mail. There is also a link on the show notes if you want a tip via Stripe now. I also have the merch store and an Amazon wish list. Don't forget my voiceover availability. I'll bring you stellar voiceover with down-to-earth professionalism, no matter what project or scope you need. I'm also on Rockfin or Odyssey if crypto's your bag. 
If you need help with all these choices, just message me. I'm always here to help, and I truly appreciate your help. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being yourself, your true self, here in the desert of the real. Hello and goodbye, as always. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.